so I, so I signed for Bradford and uh, they was on a bit of a roll themselves and uh, so we played the last uh, six games and we won ironically beating Leeds in the, in the grand final and, I'd like to give a big shout out to the Hoodoo Gurus who have given us permission to use part of their song, That's My Team, as our new podcast episode intro for all of their music. And whenever they are going live or performing live, head to their Facebook and their Instagram. The links will be in the description below. Be sure to give them a like and a follow as well on Facebook and Instagram. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And we're joined by one of the best running forwards in the history of rugby league in my opinion his name's adrian morley thank you very much for joining us today thank you thanks for having us no no worries um so i guess let's get started you made your debut for my beloved leeds rhinos um before they were called the rhinos i'm I'm led to believe um in 1995 and what was that like getting your you know your first class debut it was great i mean i come from Salford, which it's only 40 miles from leeds but it's a big rivalry with Yorkshire and, and Lancashire. So oh, when I did yeah. sign, when I, when I signed for a Yorkshire club, none of my family were too happy. But at the time, apart from the great Wigan side, uh, Leeds were the, one of the best teams in the country. And uh, just to get an opportunity to, to sign professional work was great. But my rise up to, to first team was uh, really, really, really fast, really. You know, if you looked at my amateur career, you wouldn't have as expected me to play first team at such a young age and to, to carry on um, well yeah it just went really well so I played about six months in the academy which is under 19s yep I only, I only played about six 18 games it was reserve reserve grade games and then I got the caller uh, pushed into the first team at a wow. 17 year old but but the team had the likes of uh, Ellery Hanley and, and Gary Schofield and <laughs> Craig Guinness uh, Kevin Iroh so it was a star-studded team, and yeah, at seventeen, I got, I got, I got, I got a chance, and uh, pretty much never looked back. Then I was, uh, I was a regular, but it, it was great. I mean, uh, I did actually move over to Leeds, uh, and, and you know, it's a fantastic city to, to live in. But also, you know, playing for the for the Leeds Rhinos, or there were the Lioners before the, the Rhinos, mm-hmm. playing for the, the Leeds Lioners, it was uh, absolutely fantastic. Honestly, that's amazing. You just listed some names that, again, goosebumps, you know, and to be able to, you know, play alongside them would have been amazing. Um, you played in the 1999 Challenge Cup with the Rhinos and getting the win. What was it like playing, A, in your first Challenge Cup so soon into your career and getting the win? Because a lot of um, fans of the NRL may not know that the Challenge Cup is held in somewhat even higher regard than a grand final win over in the Super League. Well, it was. I mean... The grand finals probably overtook it now in terms mm. of what's what's the most important to win, and, and quite rightly so. But you're right, for a number of years it was the be all and end all to, to win the Challenge Cup, and it, it was great. I mean, the the Super League uh, grand final system had been brought in the year before. We actually made the inaugural grand final with, with mm-hmm. Leeds. We played against Wigan, and we weren't good enough. But making that final really gives the confidence then, and, and the following year. We went down to Wembley, and it was the it was the last ever Wembley final mm. before they demolished Wembley and, and, and created the, the, the new one. So it was great to play at the old Wembley, and uh, to get the win was obviously uh, fantastic as well. So very very proud of, of that. Uh, the following year, we uh, we made the final again, but because Wembley was under construction, we had to play up in Scotland at Murrayfield, and it was still fantastic and very special. However, 
took a little bit of the shine off it, the fact mm. that it wasn't at Wembley and, uh, and the following year we didn't win anyway. So uh, I prefer the 99 story, definitely. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, and obviously you went on to, you could say so much more success, which we'll get in stuck into um, in a minute. But what are you doing these days with yourself after, after retiring? So I stayed involved for a, for a couple of years. Uh, I tried coaching and, you know, working on the commercial side at a club, but it didn't really float me boat. I mean, I still love the sport daily, but mm. I'd had enough of, you know, being involved, playing for 20 years and then, you know, having on the weekends dictated to and summer holidays, etc. So I just thought I'm going to come out of sport and it was a bit of a, um, bit, a bit worrying at the time, but having even done it for a couple of months, I knew it was the right decision for me and, I've got a young family, so I've got to spend more time with them at the weekends and, you know, we can go away whenever we want. So I'm working in recruitment now. So my best mate's got a recruitment company in construction and I've been I've been with him now for uh, nearly three years now. And uh, well, it's great, you know, I get, get a lot more flexibility. Uh, I still I still uh, keep my toe in rugby league. I'm, I'm, on the, uh, I'm on the panel for the, for the Man of Steel. So every couple of weeks I judge a game and, and give my... Uh, my verdicts, uh, do a little bit of after-dinner talking about, about rugby league. As I say, I still love the sport, but I'm glad I'm not involved there uh, 9 to 5. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, a lot of players, um, well, ex-players, they either, like yourself, they either hardcore um, get immersed into it for the rest of their life or they, sorry, like yourself is the better actress now, um, they, you know, still involved but not, you know, 9 to 5 as a coach or whatever. And some it suits, some it doesn't, and... Honestly, that's fair. Um, after your time with Leeds, you hauled ass all the way over to Australia in, and played in the NRL for the Sydney Roosters, um, playing in a winning grand final in 2002, making the grand finals in 03 and 04, winning a club challenge over in England, but for the Roosters, what was the experience like in the NRL for you? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, I always had aspirations to go to the NRL, but probably come a bit sooner than, than I thought it would. Uh, I toured Australia with Great Britain in 99. Mm -hmm. uh, we played the Aussies up in Brisbane. We, we got a good eye in, but I must have played uh, well because um, the great Arthur Beetson come up to me in the, in the players' bar with Nick Politis and said, we want to talk to you about maybe maybe coming out to, to Australia. Now, I didn't think too much of it at the time, but um, Gray Murray, who had worked with at Leeds for a couple of years, he actually got yep. the head coaching role uh, a couple of weeks later. And then uh, Graham was quite influential as well. And uh, that, that's how I got the opportunity because I was uh, still only 23 at the time. Mm, wow. Uh, but, but it was great. Uh, you know, the first year I was there, I was probably finding my feet to a degree. And uh, I got a bad injury. I broke my arm, so I missed uh, seven weeks with that. But then, uh, unfortunately, uh, Graham Murray got asked to move on. But then Ricky Stewart come in. Uh, but, but the second year I was there, uh, Everything fit into place, really. I got used to living away from home, which was a factor. And yeah, because you can either make or break some players, you know. You get uh, homesick or you adjust. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, I got a lot more used to the way they... You know, it's a little, little bit different, the, the way they play the, the rugby league over there. And got used to my teammates and they got used to me. And, and it went great. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, winning, winning the grand final in, in 2002. I didn't realise how big the sport was uh, mm. in Australia until the Roosters made the grand final. And, and that week leading up to the grand final, everywhere you looked, there was red, white and blue flags out of all the buildings. And the grand final breakfast, I'd never even uh, heard of that. And that was a great experience. 
And then uh, obviously to play in it was, was it, great. It, it's it, a it, massive it, thing. There's no longer the grand final yeah. breakfast, which pisses me off a lot. Um, like, because I used to love watching it because it was more or less a few days before, if not the day before. And you could watch and see the players, you know. Um, the only thing they've got is now the Dally M's in the week of the grand final. And uh, I, I right. get that that maybe helps alleviate some pressure on teams, but have the, have the breakfast. Sorry, yes, continue. Tradition. No, no, you've had your run. Yeah, it's good. Well, uh, but again, just the, the whole experience, you know, there's 80,000 people there uh, at the Olympic Stadium and uh, and to get the win and, and to be part of that team, you know, the Roosters have not won the competition for 27 years and to be part of that team was, was fantastic. And uh, getting that win then, you know, um, that gives us confidence then to make two more grand finals. Yeah, but that's... Before, a, unfortunately, I'm... it wasn't good enough, but I'd, I'd rather play in a grand final and lose than not, not playing one at all. So exactly. I think that's that's the way I see it, you know. Um, it, it takes a lot to get to a grand final. It takes even more obviously to win, but um, as you said, you'd ra- you would rather make it and lose than not yeah. make it at all. And I think that's testament to the Roosters' mentality in general currently and all the way since about since about the time when you played for the Roosters up until now they've been a force to reckon with you know yeah they've got they've got a fantastic record and you know Penrith when we played them you know Penrith were probably just too good in the night but Canterbury I thought we we had them in the back you know the first half we were the dominant side and then I just watched that grand final the other day actually all right yeah they just just pipped us but it was a great great game to play in and then you know when games like that could have gone either way you can't can't much more apart from, apart from actually winning it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you can say you did your best, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> now, um, after the 2002 Grand Final, you headed over to England to play in the World Club Challenge. Um, what was that like, going back over to England for, you know, a few weeks and stuff? Did you see your family? And what was the game like for you as well? It, it was great. I mean, the Roosters were due to fly in on the Sunday night, play the game on the Friday, then fly out on the Saturday, which... Wouldn't have been great preparation. So uh, the chairman Nick Politis, you know, he, he uh, felt it was uh, uh, really really important game. So he actually paid out of his own money for us to fly over three days earlier. Uh, you know, picked up the, the bill for the hotel and the and the food etc. But we was actually staying in Salford, so it was great for me. I got to see my friends and family. And yeah, wow. And um, you know, it was great representing the Roosters in the UK because we played at Bolton, which. It's only about you know seven or eight miles from from my hometown, so all my friends and family got got to watch me yeah. in the Roosters colours, and uh, and we did a right job on on St Helens. Uh, it was yeah. quite close for twenty minutes, but once we got our nose in the front, you know we we, uh, we had a pretty good side at the time, and it was it was only going to be one winner, and to win in that manner, and um, you know we had a great time. I actually stayed. Ricky Stewart let me stay another couple of days after as well, so. Uh, Got to spend a bit more time with, with, with the gang and then flew back, but it was uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, what that's one of my fondest memories actually playing for the Roosters when I got to got to play for them over in the UK. Honestly, that's amazing because um, you would have really felt a sense of I've made it. You know, like you've made like now. Um, that's not me discrediting the Super League, which is an amazing, amazing level of the sport. But um, from what I'm led to believe, a lot, if not all. Super League players aspire to one day be asked to play in the NRL. Um, did you aspire to make it in the NRL? And then obviously, as you said, you got the chance to, or was it always you wanted to play for, you know, in the Super League first? Well, I, you know, being brought up and living in England, it was a natural pathway. First of all, I needed to sign professionally. Then I needed to make first team. But 
then I wanted to play for my country. But in the back of my mind, it was, you know, the, the NRL or the Winfield Cup, as I used to watch it. it was, yep. uh, yeah, you know, when you speak to the old older pros, you know, they, they used to say it's the toughest competition in the world. So I always wanted to go and try and look down there. And I mentioned before, probably earlier than I thought, but when it, when it did go down, it was, uh, you know, really, really enjoyable and really, really successful. So, uh, yeah, that was probably, uh, of all my, you know, career and the clubs I played at, it was probably my, uh, my favourite club, you know, living in a fantastic city and, and country, Australia and Sydney and uh, and getting paid for doing something you love, it was uh, pretty much... Uh, living the dream, as they say. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. Uh, well, speaking of some of international times, you played for England and Great Britain. You also played with your brother, Chris, for England. He foregoed playing for Wales and chose to play for, I think it was Great Britain or England. One, it was one of the two. And you guys linked up in, I think it was your, the 2000 or the 99 team. What was that like, playing for the national team alongside your brother? Well, you got it wrong a bit there. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry about I, that. I, uh, my, my brother Chris had played for Wales for, for a number of years and I was obviously eligible and uh, I thought it'd be, you know, a great uh, achievement to play with my brother. But even though I could have played for Wales, I, I always regarded myself as English and, you know, being born in England and I wanted to play for England. So I for, for went the chance to play with my brother and, and, and played for England. But uh, I've still, still got no regrets because even, even to this day, uh, I, I regard myself as English. And, and with all due respect to my brother, Chris, he probably wasn't good enough to to play for England. That's the the reason he went down the the Wales route. So uh, so that was the 2000 World Cup. But we yeah, had we had a bit right. of fun. We had a bit of fun. You know, we had his Welsh jersey and I had an English one, and you know, with the fists up to each other and, and all that. So, uh, but no, I played against him uh, as a professional at club level, but never at international and never played with him. Now that's fair enough. Um, and obviously, when it came to you guys playing against each other, there's an old adage, you know, that mums worry about one of them's going to come off second best. What was it like when you went up against your brother? And you, what well, was your mum like? Well, she, she, she really enjoyed the, uh, the the competition and the confrontation, but I got in trouble, actually. Uh, oh. At the ta- at the time, off, off my coach, Dean Bell, he was coaching me at Leeds, and at the time I was making a bit of a reputation as a bit of a you know uh, hitman, you know, flying out the line. and, 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 and Bit of a bad boy, you, know, you can say. Yeah, trying to banjo. But when my brother ran at me, I just just a normal tackle. Uh, I tackled him about three times and he pulled me after the game in, in the video and said, why didn't you do a job on your brother? He said, I don't care who it is, don't care who you're playing against. I want you to play like you have been playing. So I got in, I got in trouble, but um, but yeah, I'm glad I didn't go out and, uh, and uh, try. My mum would never have forgiven me if I'd have done anything to, uh, to, to my brother. No, that's fair enough, and I think it would have gone the same way as well if your mum would have wouldn't do this, wouldn't um, let the same thing if he, your brother had done it to you. Um, now, speaking of some time with your other teams, you went over and played for Bradford after your time with the Roosters, being coming the first Englishman to win an NRL Grand Final and a Super League Grand Final when you won it with Bradford. What was that feeling like? A at the end of the Super League Grand Final win, and B realizing what you'd have what you had achieved. Well, it was it was really surreal at the, the time, um, you know, because I, I didn't expect to be playing over in the UK for a, for an English club at the end of that year. I mean, we, we weren't going particularly well at the Roosters. We weren't going to make the playoffs. And Andrew Jones signed the short-term deal with Warrington. And then that's when Brian Noble, who was the uh, current Bradford coach, but also the Great Britain coach, rang me up and said, well, you come and guest for Bradford. And, uh, like on a loan sort of deal? 
Yeah, on a loan. Yeah, yeah. The, the way he, he uh, sold it was, you know, it's there'll be about an eight-week gap between the last game of the NRL and the first test match for, for Great Britain. So it'll be a, a great way to keep fit, you know, mm. keep your match fitness, and also they've got a chance of winning something. Um, but coming from, I still feel affiliated with Leeds, and Leeds and Bradford had this huge rivalry. Oh, yeah, they so do. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't see myself playing for Bradford, but I actually phoned. Uh, Gary Etherington at Leeds and said, look, I've got this uh, offer from Bradford, but I want to come to Leeds. And Gary uh, is a very shrewd businessman. He said, you can come, Adrian, but uh, we can't give you any money and uh, you're going to have to get your own airfare and uh, you might not get picked in the team. And I just thought... Why uh, would not, I go with that if I've got a guaranteed offer? You're not giving much offer. of a choice here, are you, yeah. Gary? Yeah, so, so, so I signed for Bradford and uh, they was on a bit of a roll themselves. And uh, so I played the last uh, six games and we won ironically beating Leeds in the in the grand final and wow. but it was great, you know. I mean, it was out of all my victories, you know, club level, it probably it doesn't stand up there as my proudest because I've not been with them boys all year and, you know, I only jumped on the bandwagon at the end. But it's still an achievement, you're right, and to become the first Englishman to win uh, a grand final on both sides of the world is a very, very proud moment. So it was uh, quite a surreal, surreal time and um, you know, a great experience uh, you know, playing in, in another grand final. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And obviously, you went on to bigger and better things. You went over to Warrington um, after your time with Bradford, and you won the 2009, 2010, and 2012 Challenge Cups with Warrington. First of all, that's an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to front that. That's an amazing achievement. Um, and to do it with one club is also amazing. What was it like um, to, you know, play for Warrington? Because you ended up getting the captaincy, which is a big thing. Um, and leading the team to the Challenge Cup wins, you could say? Well, if you'd have asked me earlier on in my career, are you captain material? I would have honestly said no, because, um, you know, I wasn't particularly professional. I used to really enjoy training and, you know, used to take playing very, very seriously. But all the other things off the, off the field, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't captain material. But when uh, Paul Cullen, the coach, asked me to be captain at this time, I was 30 years old, I was... A father now, and you know, very yeah, experienced. And yeah, I just you've thought, been there, done that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought I'm ready for this, and uh, I just thought I don't want to uh, be captain, you know, getting sent off and getting suspended, etc. So I made a conscious decision there, and then to change the way I uh, play the game. And very proud to say, never, never got sent off after that, after that moment. And then um, obviously we, we, we did get the uh, get the victories, and uh, it, it was absolutely incredible. And you know, every club I've been to, when we won the cup with Leeds, Leeds had not won it for over 20 years. Uh, the Roosters had not won it for over 20 years. <laughs> and Warrington had not won it for over 30 years. So to be part of them, the them history, three teams. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah it, it was great. And I think once you've had a bit of success, it gives you the uh, bit more of an incentive then. So we won it in, uh, uh, right, in 09 and then we went down and defended the title and then you won it again, again in 2012, but the whole experience was, was fantastic. By now, the new Wembley was built, and um, in fact, there's only two players who've played and won in a Challenge Cup final at the old and the new Wembley, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm one of them, and Keenan Cunningham's the other, so that's another little uh, little accolade. Wow. But yeah, it, it was great. It, you know, the whole experience was, uh, was fantastic, and, uh, you know, winning it with Leeds was great, don't get me wrong, but when I won it with, with Warrington to be asked to walk up the stairs and, and, and receive the trophy was, uh, was you know, like it was pinnacle. Fa fairy tale stuff. Yeah, it, it really was. It was uh, unbelievable. 
that's amazing. Um, and then, obviously, wrapping up the career portion of the interview, um, you then, after your time with Warrington, ended up back at your hometown with your club, with the club Salford. What was it like? You could say more or less coming full circle with your career and finishing off where it started in your junior, junior days and watching footy and ending up getting to play for him with Salford. Yeah, well, it was great because I grew up about 100 metres from the Willows. That's where uh-huh. Salford used to play. And I was a diehard, you know, I used to, Thursday night I'd go watch the, the A-team, Saturday morning I'd go watch the academy, Sunday afternoon the first team and I couldn't keep away from the place. And out of my amateur team, uh, it was a pretty good side. Five of us signed professionally. Oh, wow. Uh, four went to Salford and I went to Leeds. Uh, <laughs> but out, out of all of us, I was the biggest Salford fan. And the only reason I didn't sign for, for Salford was because they, they, they never come in for me. That was the uh, the top and tail of it. You know, I had a sign for, for, for nothing, just a tracksuit if uh, I would have got a chance. Uh, so throughout my career, I've always watched, watched out for Salford, the results, and, you know, like to see him do well. And then to get a chance, you know, I just thought my career would feel a bit incomplete if I didn't represent my uh, my hometown. And uh, the, the plan was just to do one year and then go on the uh, on the on the, on the coaching or commercial staff. But I, I played okay, and then they asked me to, to to play another year. But but it was great, you know, just wearing the uh, the, the Salford colours every day for training and representing them uh, on a weekend was great. You know, these are. You know that, that these are my people. That, that I'm, I'm uh, Salford lad, so it was. Uh, I'm home sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I do feel we we underachieved because um, when I did go, it was Marwan Kukash's Salford Devolution, and they had all these uh, uh, brands, etc. And, and they did sign a, a great side, but we never quite uh, fulfilled our potential. But it made it no less special for me because I got to uh, to play for Salford, and it was uh, it was everything I thought it would be. Now that's fair. And you would have been very happy last year. I mean, unfortunate at the very end of the season for Sol- for Salford, but getting there was coming out of the blue, more or less. It was more or less like Panthers of 2003. Sorry to bring up that memory, but like <laughs> in the sense of the Panthers come out of nowhere, won so many in a row and got the grand final. Unfortunately, like as in they won it, but Salford, they come out of nowhere last season, like put a string of wins together and making the grand final, unfortunately being beaten in the end by St. Helens, but it would have been amazing for you to see Salford do so well last year. Well, it was incredible and um, I'm really pleased for the club and Ian Watson, he's the current coach. He was one of the one of the five players <laughs> on my team who signed for Salford. So he, he's doing a sterling job there and it was probably one step too far, but we mentioned before making a grand final is an achievement and, and, the, and the buzz around the place, you know, at that grand final because... Old Trafford, don't forget, is virtually in Salford, and there was a lot of the neutrals were going for Salford as well. You know this fairy tale story, but yep, and the uh, neutrals that mainly just follow the footballers in the soccer don't even bat an eyelid at rugby league. Yeah, they would go for Salford. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it was probably just a step too far. Sutherland's had had two fantastic seasons, and it was too good, too good on the night they were. But uh, what what an achievement and what a, what a finish to the season. Honestly, agreed. Um, and here's a few fun questions to finish off the interview. Uh, what's your current beer of choice? Uh, Guinness. I, I love a pint of Guinness. I love, and, uh, that, I love a dark. I love a dark stout. That, that's the one thing I did miss when I, when I lived in Australia because okay. although they did they did sell it over in Australia, it just wasn't the same. And I couldn't wait to get home for a decent pint of Guinness. And going one further still, whenever you do go over to Ireland to to uh, to Dublin. It's even better still over there. Oh, it would be in the, the heartland. Run around the Guinness factory and uh, oh, it's, uh, yeah, I like, I like a drop 
Guinness. Oh, nice. Well, I'm definitely a, a, a dark a, a dark ale and stout um, fan as well. I do love me a good a, a good pint of Guinness. Um, one that I've I've actually found one that's even you could say I don't know how to explain it, but it's like intense or stronger. Not in the sense of alcohol percentage, but the taste itself. Um, it's a dark stout, very similar to Guinness. It's like, um, oh, what's the name of it? Jivjets. It's from Poland, but I got it from Dan Murphy's here. It's really, really good. Um, it's it's very reminiscent, very reminiscent of um, of Guinness. How do you like your steak cooked? Uh, medium rare. Nice. I actually had a steak tonight, and I had it medium rare because it's the only way to have it. I don't like a moon with a B and blue, but it's it's got to have some blood. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what current show are you binging on Netflix, or have you just finished binge watching on Netflix? Um, Ozark. Have you, have you heard of that one? Uh, yep. Yeah. So I'm into that one at the minute, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, I think. Think to fly would be pretty cool. Um, in fact, talking of flying, I'm doing a I'm doing a parachute jump uh, next month. It was going to be a, a tandem one, so you know someone strapped to your back. But with yep. the COVID, you're not allowed to do them jumps anymore. So I'm going to have to do a day's training and learn how to do it on my own. And then the following day, we're going to do, wow. do the jump. So uh, was this so book my... like a year ago before COVID? Or yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, so. Um, we're doing it for, for, for charity, so uh, yeah. So my superpower will will come to fruition next the next, hey, uh, hey, next for month. Sure. Or two. Um, during your time in the Super League and in the NRL, which team was the toughest to go up against mentally and physically for yourself? Um, in the in the Super League, I mean, I know Bradford have dropped down a, a league or two now, but them them Leeds Bradford derbies and Bradford were up there when you were playing. Oh yeah, they they were one of them, if not the best side. Oh. So 97, 98, 99, 2000, There was there was nothing in the two teams, and you know every game was uh, full blooded, and it used to get you know over twenty thousand watching them games. Uh, so in the Super League, um, yeah, I'd say Bradford uh, Bulls, but in the NRL, we we probably built up a great rivalry with the, with the Bulldogs. Oh um, yeah. It's, it started in, in 2002 when, when the Bulldogs got all the points uh, stripped. You know, they were the best side and we mm -hmm. ended up winning the competition. They probably felt... They were a bit wrong uh, or something. Yeah, and then the following year we played them in the major semi and it, that was, uh, again, full-blooded affair. And we actually met in the grand final year after. But, yeah, I'd say, I'd say the Bulldogs uh, over in the, in the Super League, that, they, they were great games. Honestly, agreed. Um, um, because that's even really, uh, it's quite a big, um, what's the word? Quite a big rivalry even today. Um, we got a, a question from Dave Ditchfield. He asks, "Have you been to Super Benny's Food Emporium yet? And if so, what meal have you had?" I've not, unfortunately. He's talking about uh, Benny Westwood, who, yep. who had an incredible career for his country and for his club. He's actually got a. Uh, fast food place now in Warrington uh, and I keep threatening to go down but I've not been yet so I can't answer that but uh, one of the, I'm going to make, make an appearance uh, but he's a, he's a proper character of the game Benny Westwood very tough player but he's a gentle giant off the pitch so I think that, that'll that suit him being uh, you know restaurant uh, exactly yeah now that's fair um, and he also says if you haven't what is your favourite breakfast meal um, 
full full English breakfast. I, yeah. I like. I mean, I know it's uh, it's not particularly healthy for you, but oh, it doesn't I mean, have to uh, be. It, it tastes no. good. <laughs> well, this this morning I've had uh, bacon and eggs and uh, tin tomato and all that. So uh, and loads of toast. Uh, you know, they say it's terrible for your white bread, but I love uh, I love oh. white white oh, toast. Oh, oh, oh. If, if anything, I'll happily change my diet to suit the scientists, but I'm not changing white bread. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm just checking the list to see if I've covered more or less everything. Um, oh, there's one. Uh, during your time in the NRL and during your time in the Super League, who had the weirdest pre-game superstition and or ritual that you can remember? Other than Mick Crocker, because I've spoken to him and he did a spew every, every time two minutes before the game. Yeah, well, Mick, I was going to say Mick Crocker anyway, but oh, wow. uh, when, when, when I went to Warrington, uh, Lee Breeze had exactly the same trait. You'd be there trying to concentrate and you're just uh, retching from the toilet and it, oh. it does put you off, but I don't know why or how them two boys did it, but Lee Breeze was another one. Uh, he'd be sick uh, every game without doubt, without fail. So, But more often than not, he'd have a fantastic game, so I'd yeah. be like... Go and be sick away. Go and do what you got to do. But uh, very strange. But um, you know, everyone's different. And uh, yeah, I never had any uh, pre-match rituals myself. Uh, yeah, so I think you can get a bit too caught up in it. You know, mm. if you don't do it one week, it plays on your mind, and then you have to put your left sock on first and your right and all that nonsense. So uh, you're just like I didn't have any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's fair. Um, any. Any pranks um, that you can obviously mention on the podcast um, during your time in the NRL and Super League that stand out in your mind in the sheds and whatnot? Uh, none, that, none that come to mind, but I, I remember when we, when, when we won the title with, uh, with, with the Roosters in, in 2002, we went away. Uh, you know, Virtually 95% of the squad went away. We went up to, uh, uh, we went to Townsville and we went to Early Beach, but I think we had four days away, but I just remember it being... Probably the four best nights of, of my life, uh, not just me, me, me footy career, but it was absolutely incredible. It was all on this high anyway, because we just won and we all turned up at the airport in uh, 1970s tennis players. That was the, the dress of the of, yep. of the of, of the trip and there, uh, but, but it was just just incredible and uh, you know very very fond memories of, of that trip. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and a few more topics. Um, what is your personal highlight of all of the highlights that you've had in your career from Challenge Cups to Grand Finals to playing for Great Britain and everything in between, what is your personal highlight of your entire career? Well, uh, uh, I got asked to captain Great Britain in, uh, in 2007 and I played for my country for, for 10 years up to this point. And like, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, when I played for England, it was fantastic. You know, I didn't try any less for England, but for me personally, growing up, Great Britain was the, the be-all and end-all that they seemed to play for. And, you know, when I got an opportunity to play for Great Britain, it was, uh, that, that was the top, top of the list. There was, like, then, like there was England and then there was Great Britain. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. Just, just, you know, growing up, they're just the iconic jerseys and all the fantastic players who played for Great Britain. Uh, I was really excited for it to come back last year, but it was such a disappointing tour. It was, uh, uh, fell flat very much so. But in 2007, Tom Smith, asked me to captain the side. Jamie Peacock wasn't available for one reason or another. And uh, we played at Headingley as well against France. And oh, Headingley wow. is where I spent all them years with um, Leeds. And uh, and we got the win and I scored a try. And, um, oh, wow. I mean, I mean, you know, without taking 
being disrespectful to France, we was expected to win and, and win quite convincingly. So, uh, but being captain and it made it made it really special for me. And uh, as I say, I got to score a try and played well. And it was uh, that that was my favourite game out of me uh, full career. Honestly, that's amazing because, as you said, you put on the pedestal in in your mind as a kid is I want to play for Great Britain, you know, and then you get the chance. And then you get the chance to captain it. And then you get the chance to score a try in a winning game. That's just next level is the way, only way I could explain that. Um, yeah, and yeah. L- last bit of last question is, what advice would you give to any kids that want to make it in the big league one day? Just just give yourself every opportunity. I mean, uh, you know, after my career, or even before my career, I was always... Um, I used to enjoy training, don't get me wrong, but I was always... The hardest trainer because that's something uh, it's in your control you know other things are out of your control but the way you perform on the training field is uh, is uh, is your choice and you know give yourself every opportunity in terms of getting yourself as fit as you possibly can you know a lot this sport a lot of it is, is just how fit you are it doesn't you know it doesn't matter really uh, if your skill level is not particularly good or or what or whatever but if you're if you're big strong fit lad you've got every every chance of, uh, of doing something in the sport so so just train hard and give yourself every opportunity and don't have try not to have any regrets